I confess to you that there are some rules in life I'm not a fan of following, and so my modus operandi is how much can I get away with without breaking the rule? And one such example is when I'm driving on the highway. I'm admittedly not really concerned about what is the speed limit, but rather how much can I break it without worrying about getting pulled over. And so usually I feel pretty safe setting the cruise control if it's a 65 mile an hour zone at maybe 74, maybe if I'm in a hurry or feeling risky, 75, 76. But it's worked out so far. And I'm not afraid to admit it because I know you all do the same thing. <laughs> Unfortunately for many people, it seems as though this attitude uh, guides many more serious decision-makings and attitudes about morality in life. And so often people ask, how much can I get away with? And that question arises when perhaps one does not understand or agree with the inner meaning of a rule or law or perhaps uh, they don't have the will to follow it. So they don't bother trying and just say, how much can I get away with? And this makes perfect sense and it's acknowledged, in fact, in the Catechism, which tells us that the old law, that is the precepts of the Ten Commandments, is holy, spiritual, and good, yet still imperfect. And indeed, all positive laws are imperfect because they don't perfect us. They just tell us what is to be done or what is to be avoided. And this is the attitude that the Pharisees had throughout the gospel as they dialogue and discourse with Jesus this same attitude of being legal scholars and losing sight of what's the deeper purpose of the law and rather just trying to figure out clever ways around it or obscure interpretations of it. And this is the context in which the discussion about marriage and divorce arises in the gospel passage we hear today that the Pharisees were missing the inner meaning of the law and so trying to trick Jesus by seeing what legal interpretation he was going to give. But to answer this question posed by the Pharisees, Jesus does something unprecedented in the scripture up to this point. He does not give a legal interpretation or a new set of rules to follow. But rather, he says, we need to look back to the beginning. We need to look back to Adam and Eve before the fall and see how were they created? What was God's original design for marriage and all of humanity? And so this creates the framework for so many ethical questions for us as Catholics.
that we need to start, our starting point needs to be not original sin in human experience as we know it, tainted by sin and evil, but before that, going back to the beginning. Because when we look to the beginning, that's where we can start getting answers, serious answers to questions like, where do I come from? Who made me? How was I created? To answer those questions, we need to go back to the Garden of Eden. And then those questions and the answers to those questions form the foundation for the even deeper questions that Christ brings to us and answers for us. Where am I going? What am I made for? What is my destiny? And these two things form the framework for which we are to understand our Christian lives, our beginning, that we are made in the image and likeness of God, created not in sin, but wonderfully and beautifully, and human nature is, is inherently good, created by God, and then we're created for a perfection even above and beyond the Garden of Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden. And everything in the middle now forms our Christian journey. How do I get to this end given the beginning that I was created in? And that's so important for us. So many people lose sight of those beginnings and ends because if, if I begin this discussion with I am made imperfectly, I am made in sin, something like that, then the only way out of that is just legal interpretation of moral precepts. And then from that comes what can I get away with? That becomes the guiding ethical norm in life. But Jesus Christ, in this gospel today, he reminds us very profoundly of our beginning because humanity had lost sight of that. He reminds us that we were created much more wonderfully and beautifully than our human experience reveals to us. And in this way, Jesus reveals his end and in the gospel today, he reveals the inner meaning of marriage, that it is not just a legal contract between persons, but something much deeper, that marriage is signified by this one flesh bodily union of male and female. And this one flesh complementary union represents a deeper union of hearts, a communion of persons. And this communion of persons is a sign of the union God desires to have with us. The sign of marriage now should point us and inspire us to communion with God. And so regardless of our marital status, 
our state in life or future vocation, this is so important to all of us because it fundamentally teaches us that we are made for more. We are made for more than what our human experience might reveal to us. We are made for more than the goods of this world, and we are made for nothing less than total perfect happiness with God for eternity. And all of the rules and laws that Christ gives us are simply the means of getting there, of fulfilling that deepest need of our heart for perfection, for eternal happiness. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please consider supporting us by visiting stpaulparish.org. That's stpaulparish.org. God bless and see you next time.